Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. Really excited to be continuing our series, Live Like Jesus, today. This is part number three. And if you haven't managed to listen to the first couple of parts, they are on our website and really encourage you to go back and listen to those. I think you'll find them really helpful. As I've shared over the last couple of weeks, following Jesus is more than just saying yes to him. It is saying yes, that is a starting point, but then it's come and follow me. And I talked last week about laying down our life, taking up our cross daily and following him. I've used the word apprenticeship, you know, this word discipleship. Sometimes it's like, what do we really mean by that? But actually the word apprenticing under Jesus, learning from him to be like him is really helpful. With Jesus as our rabbi, as our teacher, we must learn to come under the teachings of Jesus, to take Jesus's yoke, which is his teachings on us. And that that is an easy thing. It's not this heavy burden instead that it will help us to live life and life to the full. Last week, I spoke about embracing the lifestyle of Jesus. And in order to do that, we believe that there's a couple of things that we have to do. The first is that we've got to learn to be with Jesus. And then secondly, to do what Jesus did. Now, I'm going to be unpacking both of these things over the next two weeks, but I'm starting today with be with Jesus. And we're going to be in John's gospel. So grab your Bibles. We're going to be in John 1 verse 35 to start with. And it says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. I always think this is quite harsh on John is that he gets well and truly dumped in this moment, doesn't he? He's got he's got some disciples following him. He's like, look, it's Jesus, the Lamb of God. And then they go, John, you you are so gone. Jesus, I am going to follow after you. Now, I'm sure John was happy about that. But turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? I said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. Notice what Jesus said to his would-be disciples. Come and see, or in today's language, it's really come and hang out with me. Come and see whether the rumours about me are true, what people have been saying about me. See what I've got to offer. Come and be with me. That was and still is the open invitation of Jesus. And the question is, Well, how do we do this today? Jesus isn't physically amongst us like he was with his disciples. He's gone back to sit at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So how do you and I be with Jesus? Well, the closer Jesus gets to the cross, the more he starts to talk about, I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to invite you to come and be with me. And at the same time, he starts talking about that he's going to leave the Holy Spirit, to send the Holy Spirit an advocate. So John 14 verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, this phrase that we see here, another advocate, is is actually quite difficult to translate from Greek to English. And it can be translated as another like me or another one of me. So I will give you 
another one of me to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then it continues further down. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. All this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So according to Jesus, the way that you and I are going to be with him today is through the Holy Spirit, via the Holy Spirit, which means that the first and primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. The baseline for following Jesus. Now, Jesus then goes on to use this really helpful metaphor that we see in John 15 about what does it look like to live in this new reality? And I'm going to start by reading this, the first couple of verses in the NIV translation and then I'm going to switch to the message version and the reason that I want to do this is this is a very familiar passage to many of you and that as I read it you'll go oh yeah I know this but actually sometimes a different translation can give us a real fresh perspective on it and I think that's what I'm hoping that the message will do today so John 15 verse 1 I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This passage is all about fruitfulness. As a disciple of Jesus, what does it look like to thrive, to be fruitful, to be whole? Verse three, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now this word that we see here, remain, that keeps being repeated again and again, it's its translation is meno and uh, in the Greek and can be translated as remain, abide, stay at home in me, which I think is just worth noting. But as we move into the message version of verse four, it says this, live in me, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you join with me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. When you join with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples, when you grow up, basically, I've loved you the way my father's loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Now, there's all sorts of language in the teachings of Jesus and the New Testament and even church history to capture this kind of relationship to God that's being talked about here. Jesus calls it abiding, remain in me or the message live in me or make your home in me. Paul calls it prayer without ceasing. Catholic, um, Catholic people often call it contemplation or advanced prayer. So you've got prayer and then you've got advanced prayer. Brother Lawrence, who is a monk, calls it the practice of the presence of God. I think that's such a helpful concept. And he says this, the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, 
I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. It doesn't matter. God is with me at all times. Whether I'm on my knees praying or whether I'm washing up in the kitchen, God is absolutely with me. And that's practicing the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but I listen to uh, Brother Lawrence and I think, yes, I want that. I want that in my life. And I think this language of practice the presence, practicing is really helpful because it shows us that it's something that we grow in. Now, Dallas Willard helps to unpack this this concept of practicing the presence of God. He says this, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him throughout the day to keep bringing him back before our minds. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. That's such a great way of saying our rubbish and our mess, isn't it? Our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. That's a very nice thing. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. In other words, we can change. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones, As we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us, soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. I love this image of a compass returning to north, doesn't it? It just keeps coming back and back and back again and again. And that's what it's like with God. You know, we we might go away and then we come back to him. Willow's point is that living in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the spirit of God all day takes practice and that's what we talk about when we talk about the spiritual disciplines or what I prefer the language of is the practices of Jesus silence solitude prayer fasting scripture sabbath every single one of them important but sometimes when we use the the language of the spiritual disciplines People kind of shiver a bit. They're like, oh, I don't like that word discipline. So they're kind of out before they've even thought about what it is. I, you know, discipline is so important to us, but we, we don't like that language. And for other people, they've experienced them to be something that's very legalistic. But I think that's to miss the point of what they're about. They are not an end. Every single one of them is a means to an end. So let me give you an example. Is the point of reading your Bible to read your Bible? No. Is it to know your Bible? Well, no. Ultimately, the goal of reading the Bible is to encounter God through his word and in the process to help you live more like Jesus. It's about being shaped by the activity into the image of Christ. Is the point of silence and solitude just to be to tick a box and be like, yep, I can do that. No, it's to be away with Jesus in order that he can speak to us. All of the practices, all of the disciplines are means to an end. And that end is first and foremost to be with Jesus. All they are is a way to orient our life around abiding in the vine. All they are is a way throughout the day or through the week or through all of our lives to present ourselves before God it's that moment that we put ourselves before God but that we keep coming back to the compass to the north God you're here in this time and place 
I've not been here. I've been away. My mind's been completely distracted. And actually there's all this anxiousness and this lack of peace that's coming up. And I've got gone into some of the things of the world. And Jesus is like, come back, come home. Come back to me. Comer says this, this coming, this comes down to learning to always be in two places at once. Eating breakfast and being in his presence. Doing the school run and in his presence. At work and in his presence. Watching Netflix and in his presence. The goal is to learn how to be aware of his presence as we go about every day. He's always there. It's just learning for us to be able to see him. That's all it is. That's the end goal. This is the best bit about being with Jesus, is being with Jesus, starting the day with him, seeing him throughout the day, reconnecting with him. And there are ways to tune our heart, mind, imagination, even our body into the presence of Jesus through the spirit. That's what these are, these practices. I want to look at Galatians 5 for a moment, 16 to 25, because I think this really helps to unpack some of the stuff that we see in John 15 as well it says this so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh this then goes into a long list of things that gratify the very very negative things that aren't about the Lord and then we pick it up in verse 22 which says this but the fruit of the spirit this is the fruit that we're talking about in John 15 is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit just as Jesus taught in John 15 the point of abiding is that it bears fruit and in Galatians 5 Paul takes the teachings of Jesus in John 15 and he begins to explain the implications now a lot of people read this list as a list of commands, go and be more loving, go and be more kind, go and be more peaceful. And it's almost like it feels like this weight you read them. You're like, oh, how do I do that? But, but Paul isn't commanding us to try and be these things. We can't just grit our teeth and be more loving. It's like, I'm going to be more loving today, going to be more loving today. At least not for very long. You can act more loving, but you can't be more loving. You can act more peaceful, but you can't force yourself to be more peaceful. Instead, what Paul actually commands us to do twice in this passage, once at the beginning and the other at the end. First, he says this, walk in the spirit. And then at the end, he says, and keep in step with the spirit. Or in the words of Jesus, abide in the vine. Paul's metaphor is, a, is of a fruit tree and he's stealing the idea straight from Jesus. How does a tree produce an apple? It's not by trying really hard but by the branch being connected to the tree. How does a vineyard produce beautiful plump grapes by the branch being connected to the vine? How does an apprentice of Jesus bear the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, so on. It's not by trying really hard. It's by abiding in the vine, by spending time with Jesus. So how do we do this? Some of you are thinking, I'm in. That sounds great, James. I love it. But how? When I wake up tomorrow, what do I need to do? How do we walk in the spirit or walk in step with the spirit or abide in the vine or whatever you want to call it in the midst of my life, in the midst of this moment? With my kids crying in the morning 
the busyness of my life with the flatmates that I happen to live with who are really challenging, the social media coming in, working from home. How do I do it? We do it by living like Jesus. And we come back to what Coma said. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. We've got to do the things that Jesus did. If we want to experience the life that Jesus is offering, it's not enough just to believe the right things. It's got to go. We've got to go a step further and embrace the life that he lived. Many of us want to live like Jesus. We want to have the fruit of the spirit, the peace and the patience and the kindness and all of these things. And first of all, he says, if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and are acted upon. Your body, your soul and your spirit host Jesus. Let's take the image further. He comes and he makes his home in us and he dwells on us and he lives in us and he awakens us. Alice talked about this a few months ago when she'd spoken on, on John 15. But she says it's part of the home and human condition that we long for a sense of home don't we that's what we have when we come to be with the lord when we come to be with jesus it's like, i'm home been away but i've come back i've come back home now there's no english word for it but the welsh have a great word this longing for home they call it harith it's really funny whenever i say a welsh word my daughter eva speaks welsh and she's like no 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 that's not how you translate it that's not how you say it sorry and, I, and so i try and say harith uh, and it sounds exactly perfect to me. And she always said, no, that, that's completely wrong. Well, I'm sorry for saying it wrong. But this harif is it's a longing for a place that you know you belong to. And that's what it is with the Lord. To make our home in Jesus is to be aware of our dependence. It's to place ourselves in his presence. And it's not one way. Instead, it's a dynamic, life-giving process. We live in Jesus and his presence makes his home in us. Let me give you an example of what, about what it looks like to practice the presence. So how many of you like running? Probably about three of you in our church because running is hard work. Or, or maybe a different question. How many of you have taken up running since lockdown? Probably quite a few more of you are like, I really need to do some exercise. Anyway, I, I'm one of those people that's never quite got fit enough to enjoy running. So I'm too sporadic. So I'll run and then I'll have a couple of weeks off and then I'll try running again. And every time it hurts, it's just a bit painful. I went for a run for this week and, I, and I'm still recovering. But I want you to imagine this picture. You turn around to me and say, I want to be a runner. I want to get fit. I want to run a, a marathon. I want to be one of those people that glides rather than runs. And I think we've all experienced those people. You go to the park and they're, they're like a gazelle, aren't they? And they kind of come past you and you look at them and you're like, wow, that's amazing. Whereas there are other people that come past you and they're like, that's just what it's like when I run. It just looks really hard work. So you've got this desire that you want to be a runner. Now, this idea of doing the marathon, if you've got any sense at all, you start and you build and you build and you build. Generally, in my life, I've got none of that kind of sense. I'm not, I'm going to run a marathon and then pick it up on the day and just run. But the marathon's the long-term goal. The couch to 5K is the more realistic goal. And you even start with the run-walk. You've seen that. So what happens is you run for about 50 metres. You do the 50 metres and then you're like, I'm exhausted. This is awful. So you walk for 50 metres while you're like, oh, maybe I can run again. Then you go again. 
you do that, you do the 5k, you do the 10k, you build up, you build and you build to the point where you become able to run and you get better and you get better. Well, I think that's a lot like practicing the presence of God. You build. And I think the truth is that many Christians have never really learnt to be with Jesus. We're in a moment right now in a global pandemic when everything's just hard, isn't it? You know, going to work, our jobs are hard, church is hard, you know, how do we engage with community? How do we do small group? And so a lot of things, let's take the spiritual aspect, a lot of things have been stripped away, a lot of things that we've taken for granted. Um, You know, so, and the way for many people is that the high points have been around the activity you know, the gathered environments. And they are really, really, really important. You know, I'm a huge fan. That's not what I'm saying. But when things are stripped away and when things are cut back, what it reveals sometimes is what our life with God's actually like. And for many people, they're like, actually, my life with God, I haven't got a lot of rhythms and routines of how to keep coming back to that compass, back to God, to keep bringing God before me in each stage of each moment of each day. And so this is Jesus's invitation. And this is why we think this series is so important right now. This concept of being with Jesus, it's like, let's let's keep going at it. It's so important. So in finishing, I wanna make this really practical. As part of our Live Like Jesus series, over the coming months, we're gonna be introducing different practices and rhythms as, as we go through to the whole church. And we're gonna be inviting people to have a go. And as we look at Be With Jesus, we're asking the whole church to start spending regular time in his presence. And we've called it Start the Day. Now, the idea is for everyone to start putting some time aside at the beginning of the day to be with Jesus. This could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour. There is no time limit. It doesn't matter what it is. But to start the day with him. Now, as I talk about this, I'm aware that you'll all be in different places with this. Some of you already carve out time with Jesus and I'm talking about be with Jesus. You're like, do you know what? I'm actually, this is this is encouraging. I do a really good job with this. I've already got this going. Now, if that's you, what I want to encourage you in is keep that going, but I want you, I'd love it if you teach others how to do that. For others, this is the first time that you've actually thought about doing this. And we want to give you some helpful tips as to how you go about this. For most of you, you're going to be somewhere in the middle between maybe you spend time occasionally with Jesus, might have even done it in the past, had some good rhythms, have dropped those rhythms because of whatever. But the truth is, many of us will realise the importance of regularly spending time with Jesus, but struggle to do so in a sustainable way. Wherever you're at, this invitation is for you. This invitation is for the whole church. And so we're asking, will you join us and start the day with Jesus? Now, some of you might be asking, why start the day? I want to finish the day. And that's you fine. Like in some senses, if you're spending time with Jesus, hallelujah, that, that is amazing. But the reality is that in order to walk with Jesus throughout a whole day, it's not just going to be one point. It's going to be moments of reconnection throughout the day. And but we do think that for most of us, most of the time, the start of the day is a great place to start. Two main reasons. Firstly, experience tells us that if it doesn't happen at the beginning of the day, 
it often doesn't happen. You just mean to get around to it and you never quite get there. Secondly, there's something beneficial about drawing close to Jesus before the disruptions of the day start, the noise of life, the distractions of the world and so on. A great analogy that we've heard is that when people go fishing, the best time is right at the beginning uh, of the day, as early as possible. And at this point, before the water's churned up and the heat of the day kicks in, or although maybe not a problem in Wales, this is when you're likely to catch the most fish. But there's something about coming to Jesus before our souls and our minds are distracted and we've kicked in. We bring the first bits of our day to him. Now, we're not... This is not a law. This is literally an invitation to go deeper into our discipleship with Jesus. And we're excited about what the fruit that the Lord wants to produce in us. We talked about what does it look like to create disciples who change communities, to create disciples who change cities. And it starts out for a place of abiding in the vine. For some of you, you've already established what your time with God looks like. So I'm like start tomorrow. Well, Alice has created a really, really helpful video of three things that we think would be really helpful to you as you're starting to spend time with the Lord. Um, And so um, make sure that you watch that. It's worth saying about that video that it's not the epitome of what it means to spend time with Jesus. It's just a helpful starting point. So using the analogy of a couch to 5k, this is to get us off the sofa and to start walking. Over the coming months, we're going to look in more depth about how to meditate on scripture, different ways to pray. um, And these can then help add and develop this time to keep us connected through the day. But for a moment, let's keep it simple and let's start the day with Jesus. So in finishing, be with Jesus. That's the invitation to keep coming back to him in the moments of the day and to spend time in his presence. That out of that place, everything else follows all of the fruit of the spirit that we begin to change that we begin to grow we begin to look more like him so i just want to finish in praying jesus you're so good that you care about everything in our lives the little details as well as the big ones and lord i just say as a community as myself i put myself before you right now lord i want to look more like you and i know that means to be with you to help us as a community as we go on this journey of starting the day. In Jesus' name, amen.